0: And welcome to another episode of Conspiracy Pilled. I'm your host PJ Williams, and with me, as always, is my co-host Abby Libby. Abby, how are you doing today?
1: I'm I'm sick.
0: I know you're still sick. <laughs> Getting any better though?
1: I I keep I keep thinking I am, and then something else happens. So I'm gonna say no, just so I don't jinx it. <laughs> All
0: right. Well, we've got a really great episode for you guys today. I got to say, I was diving into some really crazy rabbit holes earlier in the week with uh, the CIA in the 1960s and 70s and uh, them kind of like doing seances and perhaps maybe definitely employing a demon-possessed man in order to spy on the Russians through remote viewing. All like really crazy leaked documents, or it's not leaked, I guess FOIA requested documents from the CIA. And then... An even crazier, uh, more relevant story happened. So we're putting that off for now. And we're going to be talking about the FTX uh, conspiracy, the scandal around SBF and FTX and all these other three-letter things today. CIA,
1: FBI.
0: They might all be involved. CIA, FBI, WEF. There's a lot here. Uh, Maybe Mossad is involved. It's... There's a lot. There's a lot here to get to. So uh, without further ado, we're going to jump into this. And I just want to remind you uh, that at the end of the show, we are going to go over to Rumble. And we're going to continue the conversation over there as we get into the the stranger parts of the conspiracy that, you know, are are better suited for Rumble. We can take your questions and talk to you guys there. Um, And also, we're going to be having some more stuff for you guys over on the Locals channel. Uh, Conspiracypill.locals.com is coming soon. Uh, So thank you guys who have come over there and supported us on Locals. Uh, yeah. So you want to just jump into this, Abby, or?
1: Yeah. Are you, are all of our conversations (laughs) in the last couple hours have been PJ going full conspiracy guy GIF, like pointing at his wall. So this is going to be super hinged.
0: My wife has had to put up with me today where I've been at my computer all day and I've been like, I've had 37 tabs open and like listening to stuff and watching videos and reading stuff. And then I would like go, oh my gosh, I'd run out of the room and I would like go full on like. Yeah. Conspiracy guy, gif like to her for five minutes and then come and sit back down and look in, into something else. So I'm trying as hard as I can to slow my role, be hinged, p- give you guys the facts. But I'm telling you, this one does get crazy. And we're going to give you a lot more than just the CNN basic uh, Ponzi scheme narrative. There's a lot, lot more here. So uh, but we will start off with what the story is. So what the story is that Sam Bankman freed or SBF for short saw his net worth collapse by 94% or more in the last week when his cryptocurrency firms, I can speak, FTX and FTX US and the trading company Alameda Research turned out to be massive Ponzi schemes, possibly the largest Ponzi schemes in history. Uh, People used FTX to buy Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. So FTX was kind of a, a trade. It wasn't a coin itself, FTT was a coin created by FTX, but it was a place where people could go and use it to buy uh crypto, different cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin. But what they were really buying were IOUs. <laughs> Those are as good as cash. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Dumb and dumber. You were still- so
1: yes. yeah, yeah. So the FTX, I'm so sorry.
0: It's okay. I know you're not feeling good. I appreciate you being here.
1: FTX. I'm going to try not to be a train wreck. FTX was a platform where people could buy and sell any any type of crypto like dogecoin, <clears throat> bitcoin, all of that. Yeah. Yeah, it was kind of like also, oh, they had their own coin that was kind of like the bedrock of the platform.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it was uh it was not just that they were their own coin was worthless ponzi scheme, it's that they were taking customers money and spending it other places. And then they didn't have the quote liquidity. This reminds you is kind of like what the banks all said in 1929 on black Tuesday, which was, Hey, you guys all want your money back, but we just don't have it here. We'll get into that part of it. But yeah, people were thought they were buying cryptocurrency uh, and they were just buying. IOUs. Was kind of like in the back and deal of this, uh, maybe in the fine print. And this worked as long as everyone didn't cash in at the same time, which was going swimmingly for them until Binance decided to take the whole scheme down with a single tweet. And Binance was uh, an early investor in FTX. They're another crypto market. I think Binance... So a direct competitor? Yeah, direct competitor. So you got Binance, uh, Coinbase, uh, FTX. There's a couple other ones. I'm not super into the crypto stuff. I know like a little bit. So, uh, And I'm not really a financial guy. So I've had to dive into a lot of different stuff. So if I get anything wrong on that, forgive me. We're, we're not focusing as much on you know, being finance experts, we are getting into the conspiracy stuff of it, but I got to get through all of this first. Cause it's very important, but Binance was an early investor in FTX. And then in the summer of 2021, FTX bought its shares back from the company sort of, <laughs> but what they really, what they really did was they bought the cash investment back with a huge amount of its own crypto token FTT. So like, yeah, we're going to take all that money that you gave us back and we're just going to give you some some coin that's totally worth something. Trust us. Uh, and that was going all right until Alameda Research, which was also – and we're going to get into who the people are and how these things started, but I'm just trying to give the, the news story first. Alameda Research attempted to manipulate the futures at Binance, their direct competitor, and Binance kind of found out about this uh, and they were their their, their price-setting mechanism actually forestalled the intended liquidation. So Binance did not get destroyed by this run on the bank that Alameda tried to do on them. And then they stuck FTX with a $150 million lawsuit in the California courts. So as far back as September 15th, there was some ble- uh, some bad blood brewing between uh, these two different crypto exchanges. And that kind of simmered for a while until November 6th when Binance liquidated its FTT coins and tweeted about it causing a run on the market uh, and FDX just or FTX just didn't have liquidity liquidity to pay people back. So again, just like Black Tuesday and the creation of the FDIC, we're going to get into that. But I think that we're going to see some creations coming out of this, some legislation that's going to be very important to the story uh, later on. So at this point, if,
1: if anyone, I'm just going to stop you real quick because yep. sometimes people are dumb. Not that any of you are dumb, and I'm sure you're all very very smart. This is for like the fifth graders who will watch this later. Remind us what Black Tuesday and the FDIC are.
0: <clears throat> okay, so Black Tuesday was the black, was the market crash in 1929 that caused the Great Depression. Uh, I can't remember exactly what day it was, September something, 1929. I don't know why. I can't think of it off the top of my head. But anyway, um, and then the FDIC or the Federal... Oh, gosh, what does it stand for? The Federal... It's, it's what insures the bank. So basically, if, if a bank loses money or gets stolen from, you are insured in that bank up to X amount. So if you go into a bank right now, you'll see a sign, probably a placard that'll say insured for up to X amount from FDIC. So basically, if a bank robber comes and steals from the banks, you're not screwed. That's actually what caused a lot of the, the bank robbers uh, to be kind of folk heroes among those times. They're like, oh, we're insured now. So we don't really care if you steal oh, wow. from the bank because it's not it's not affecting us. That's why John Dillinger and stuff like that were actually kind of folk heroes in a way because they weren't actually stealing from the people they're just stealing from the federally insured banks but yes wow. basically you it saw a lot of legislation
1: federal deposit insurance corporation Thank you. but my brain supplied federal dicks in charge so <laughs> either way
0: both. It, 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 both it's yeah the acronym goes both ways uh, kind of like uh, uh, kind of like SBF's girlfriend which we'll get into <laughs> I think SPF swings both ways, but, uh, we'll get into that in a little bit, but, um, yeah. So, Sideways and up and down all the different ways. Yeah. Uh, I <laughs> well, hate my there,
1: there's, adventure.
0: there's some weird sex stuff in this one. Okay. So I don't know if real truth Cax is worried about nightmares. I'll try not to go too into detail, but it gets, it gets creepy. So, uh, yeah, again, I'm, I'm, again, I'm just, if I'm rushing, slow me down in chat. If I miss something, let me know. But I'm just trying to get through the main story because there's so much here that if I stick on what C- we will get from CNN or from any other podcaster out there, I'll just literally do an hour and a half on just the financial aspect. And that's what you guys com- come here for. You come here for the conspiracy stuff, and that's going to get interesting. So um, let's see. Binance then takes a look at buying FTX after they basically tanked them. Uh, and there's like a day where they're like, yeah, maybe we'll buy you up and bail you out that way. And then over one day of looking at the books, they decide, no, that FTX is way worse condition than we even thought that their liquidity is even worse than we thought. And we're not going to bail you out. Uh, which, which actually I think might've been the intention originally to be like, Hey, let's make you, let's force you to sell so we can buy you at a cheap price. And then we own all the FTT coin and we own, uh, we basically took out our competitor and then it was so bad that they're like, yeah, we're not doing that. And I think that was <laughs> oopsies again, S- when I say SBF again, that's Sam Bankman freed. Everybody calls him SBF for some reason. So that's just how I'm calling him. Uh, but I think that he, that's what he was hoping for or maybe, maybe not. We'll get into that later, but I decide not to bail him out. And this causes, uh, FTX to eventually file for bankruptcy and SBF on November 6th step down from his CEO position uh also it's it's worth noting that this is an extremely small company both Alameda and FTX are run out of the Bahamas by about 10 people between the two they're extremely small I've actually watched some uh, videos with people that were like we wanted to invest or buy into this company but we gave them all these like things like hey if we're gonna invest or we're gonna buy into your company we need you to actually have some type of board we need to <laughs> you have actually some kind of like Backing, stop losses, things like that. And instead, they're like, F off. Apparently, one of the guys, one of these like large investors, said that they called him back and literally told him to go fuck himself. So, the, you know, every, everybody's kind of looking at this like, it's just like five 20 something year olds in the Bahamas with a company worth $32 billion. And they're not doing anything the way that we would expect them to. And people kind of turn their head and they're like, well, maybe, maybe they're just cocky. Maybe they've got a money making machine. Maybe they're not up to something corrupt. I don't know. I think a yeah. lot of people, Knew they were up to something corrupt, but... Uh, hmm. Yeah, so then... Um, so that's November 6th. By November 9th, the firm's remaining cryptocurrency started is starting to disappear, and it's moving in multi-million dollar chunks. And this is where the company claims that they were hacked, and they told users not to delete the app and avoid the website. <clears throat> right, so... Million- and all through
1: this, Sam Bankman-Fried's like tweeting... Really incriminating. Like, I'm sorry, I didn't think it was gonna extremely
0: incriminating stuff. (laughs) Yeah,
1: I didn't know it was gonna unravel like this. I'm really sorry, you guys.
0: Yeah, he was. His latest tweet was five hours ago, and it's just shrapnel. That's his tweet. Shrapnel from like he's been tweeting all day today. So it's pretty unhinged. He's got this like tweet thread. He's up to 24 things in this tweet thread, and his latest one is just shrapnel for some reason. So. Uh, yeah, so that's November 9th. Uh, they told users to delete the app that there's these massive uh, multi million dollar chunks going missing. By November 11th, this is where FTX actually files for bankruptcy and they get a new post bankruptcy CEO. And this guy was the same guy who oversaw the collapse of Enron. And if you don't know what Enron is, I'm not going to go into it because I, do- I just didn't have time to go into the whole thing. But Enron was another one of these massive companies, too big to fail. And then they totally failed. I think it was in the nineties. Um, we're yeah. not going to focus on that too much, but this guy is literally overseen another instance, very similar to this of a multi-billion dollar company. that was too big to fail that, that did.
1: Enron was one of the possibly the biggest financial scandal of, <laughs> of the, this generation or this era. Um, and if anyone is familiar with uh, Theranos, the CEO of Theranos, her dad worked for Enron. And so one of her defining moments was watching her dad get fired and deciding she was never, ever going to be poor or afraid. And then she went and created a scandal almost as big as Enron. And Theranos operated in a very similar way to FDX in the sense that they they were all this bluster. If people asked too many questions, they were just like, fuck off.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, also like Bernie Madoff is another one people keep bringing up that's very similar in how He was another one of those giant Ponzi schemes where it's like, hey, give me some of your money, and then uh, I'm not going – how does it – basically, every new investor came in. He would take their money and then pay back the last investor and be like, look, you made a bunch of money. But the new investor, he had no money to give back to them if they wanted to pull out, and he just – so those investors would find – he'd find more new investors. And it just kept working like that where the only way they were staying afloat for as long as they did is they would just have new investors, and they would take their money and give it to the old investors and be like, look, I made you money. Uh, and eventually it, it crashed so this was this is kind of like that but again I'm not going to go too much into the whole uh, idea of a Ponzi scheme or how all the, the, the financial stuff works cause there's a lot of interesting stuff to get here too but the guy who was overseeing right now the bankruptcy of FTX was the same guy who oversaw the collapse of Enron. And he seemed unaware of the more than $470 million in digital assets being moved around mysteriously. Again, like I said, by November 6th, you've got multi-million dollar chunks just being moved around and disappearing. And the guy who takes That's over is like, I don't know. I don't even know that this is happening. Uh, <laughs> yeah.
1: I'm totally in control of my company and all of these dollars.
0: Yeah, Right. Uh, And then in other reports indicated that SBF had programmed a backdoor into FTX's crypto accounts that allowed him to tap customers' deposits on a whim. So whenever Alameda Research needed money to shore up its margins, he was able to take that money and funnel it into Alameda Research. He's funneled at this point, I think they're saying it's around $10 billion that he's funneled out of his company FTX into Alameda without letting the public know and without letting the insiders know and the, the investors know. So he's literally taking money from all of the people who are buying bitcoins. And he's like, well, you don't really own them. You just have an IOU, but I'm going to take that money. I'm going to put it into my on again, off again, girlfriends company. It's all, it all sounds really confusing, but I'm going to get into who these people are and it'll make more sense. as We go along, wow. but, uh, which is again, all of these things are a crime. Yeah. Um, and, uh, So so yeah, he's he's taking money from 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 through a backdoor uh, of FDF's crypto. Which again, if there's a backdoor there, and people are talking about it, people kind of know about it. And we'll get into this a little bit more later when we get into to to his mysterious partner that may or may not exist. Uh, what was I saying? Yeah, if he's taking all this money out, it's like, why is anybody surprised or that uh, 470 million dollars just gets moved around? You know, like the guy's like, I don't know where this is going. Uh, but on November, so weird. Th- yeah, so this, this was the weird thing to me too, is I kept thinking when I was first hearing about this, that he had fled, that was kind of the, the news reports I heard the tweets that I'd heard that he had fled to Argentina. You guys are, if you're slightly familiar with this story, you've probably heard that he fled to Argentina or Dubai, uh, because on November 12th rumors started circulating that SPF had fled to Argentina, but it turns out supposedly he's still in the Bahamas and he said in interviews that he's just tweeting and playing video games because they relax him. And he's literally just like days after his money goes away. He's trying to sell his $40 million mansion now, supposedly. Uh, he's probably the most hated and wanted man in the world. $32 billion just gone. And he's just like, yeah, I'm just going to play some video games and relax. I'm not really that worried about where this is going. Uh, and he he is. He's just tweeting. He started this tweet thread of like, here's what or his first tweet a few days ago was what and then H-A-P-P-E-N-E-D through the next however many tweets and he's just been like tweeting out this like super incriminating stuff like by the way this isn't financial advice and I might be wrong but I'm gonna like put this on the record with numbers and figures and statistics and make apologies and say we're totally gonna get your money back and here's how and here's why and here's what we messed up and here's where we did illegal stuff and like it's like he's either stupid <laughs>
1: Which is hard to believe. Or maybe it's not. It might not be. Or he knows he's never going down for this. No matter what.
0: The more I'm looking into this, the more I'm leaning towards that. And we'll get into why I don't actually think this guy's going down for this. Uh, And apparently there's other places now that are kind of catching on and thinking this as well. Including Breitbart, who wrote an article uh, last night, I believe, saying that he's probably going to get bailed out of this. But we'll get into all that because we need to first tell you guys uh well I was gonna say who are the key players, but I want to I, I wanna point out one thing before we get into like who all these people are is we we kind of talked about who could have seen this coming uh with uh you know kind of the early stuff going with where he was trying to buy out uh you know, he's pissing around with with Binance and making them mad, and Binance is looking at this, going, maybe this is bad, you know, right before they crashed. Well, I think there's other people who could have seen this coming because Sam Trabuco, and I might be saying his name wrong, Trabuco who was the co-CEO of Alameda Research, had stepped down back in August, which again is also not the first sign of trouble because in April of this year, 2022, SPF went went on Odd Lots, which is a podcast with Matt Levine. And in this interview, he describes his crypto model exactly the way you would describe a Ponzi scheme. And I'm not going to play it because the clips are really long and it's kind of convoluted, but... He describes, he he goes through five or 10 minutes basically describing his whole crypto model as, yes, we took this thing. It doesn't have any value, but we've kind of like taken other people's money and pretended it's valuable and it's very cynical. And Matt Levine actually calls him out on it and then they just kind of move on. He's like, he literally's like, doesn't that, aren't you saying this is a Ponzi coin? And then they just keep talking like as, it, as if he didn't just admit that his whole business model is a Ponzi scheme and as if Matt Levine didn't catch on to that's what he was saying and they just they just move past it. Um, and he used this Ponzi token, uh, to borrow billions of real dollars that he couldn't pay back. And then he used these dollars to buy up other companies, uh, like the naming rights to Miami heats arena. He sponsored the Mercedes formula one team. He bought super bowl ads to the tune of $21 million. This was actually, I didn't realize who, what FTX was. Sorry, go ahead
1: this sends me because like you don't get a Super Bowl ad if you're not super legit if you don't have tons of money to spend
0: this the I mean level this of guy, trust this guy had all the levels of trust there are puff pieces in him on the from the New York Times there's puff pieces about him from Sequoia uh he was on the cover of Forbes they were calling him the next Warren Buffett like this guy was absolutely loved and we'll get into that in a minute because I again I want I wanted to go through some of this but let's play a little bit of this Super Bowl ad. Because uh, this was my first Yeah, Sorry, Abby's having to go and uh, blow her nose So <laughs> for, for, forgive her for that But um, yeah, this is actually I didn't even realize who FTX was And then when somebody showed me the Super Bowl commercial I was like, oh, I have heard of this before Can I talk to you about something? Yeah, we talked about it I got another 10 years left Maybe 15 Not bad, this is big What do you think? Are you in?
1: You know what? I'm in Let's call everyone Hang, Hang on a, a minute, minute. Ugh, how dare you call this number? Okay, I'm in, whatever. Who's that? That was my mom. Oh. Hey, Donut, don't eat that. Yo, what's up? Yeah, yeah, I'm in. Yeah, sounds good, I'm in.
0: I'm in. Hey, Arthur, I quit. I'm in. T-Bone, is it the downstairs toilet again? Hello, Tom. Doggy coin, Sue, Mark. Are you in? I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. All
1: right, this one might be tough.
0: Nah, he loves you. Probably just getting on the dentist. This guy. First, even if you wanted to come back, we wouldn't take you.
1: Yes, you would. Yeah, Yeah, we would. would. You're right, we would. What's up? I'm getting into crypto. With FTX. You in?
0: We're providing gives 360-degree access to the crypto markets with the ability to trade everything from alts to DeFi. I believe I'm in, but still hate you. Understood. Take care. Best of family. Is he in? Yep. Did he say he hates you?
1: He did. Even on the phone, that guy sounds handsome. Yeah, so
0: that's... It's a that's... good
1: ad. <clears throat> like, it's a damn good ad.
0: They had a couple, actually. There was a few other ones with Tom Brady as well, and apparently Tom Brady, I think, owned $45 million of FTX, and his, his ex-wife now, Giselle, has... Gotten like twenty five million dollars. That's just gone now, by the way. Supposedly, uh, and some of these puff pieces, like the Sequoia puff piece about him, that was deleted off the internet. That's the other thing you'll realize. Some of the some of the people we're gonna be talking about. Luckily, there's people out there who screen grab and save and post to other websites, or I wouldn't have found some of this information. Because a lot of people who are very glowingly talking about this guy have tried to cover their tracks a bit, including, like I said, Sequoia, who was into FTX for $240 million. Uh, So this guy had a lot of... This guy was the guy. I didn't even really know who he was, but apparently in the the financial world, he was like the up-and-coming guy over the last few years. He didn't start until 2017, I think they said he bought his first Bitcoin. But uh, yeah, we'll get into him in a minute. I want to finish talking about some of the stuff that he bought. So he also besides buying Super Bowl ads talking about being the guy he liked to buy politicians he spent five he gave five million dollars to the big guy in 2020 and 40 million dollars to Democrats in the 2022 midterms uh, there's gonna be a lot more on this later I'm just kind of covering the bases and then he also tried to help Elon Musk buy Twitter to the tune of five billion dollars. And this is uh, this is what Elon had to say about that. To be honest, I've never heard of him. Um, but then a ton of people were telling me he's got, you know, huge amounts of money that he wants to invest in a Twitter deal. And I talked to him for about half an hour, and uh, I know my my meter like was like redlining. So I was like, this dude is uh, full. Of that was my impression. And so then I was like, but everyone, like including like, you know, major investment banks and everyone were saying talking about him like he's like walking on water and has a zillion dollars and I'm like that's not my impression and I my prediction to the investment banks which some of its in isn't you've seen on texts because it was in a court case uh was that uh that dude is just there's something wrong and he does not have uh capital and he will not come through. That was my prediction. And that is definitely what happened. To be honest, I've never heard of him. Yeah, so the uh, Elon Musk is like, I don't think this guy has $3 billion, let alone $5 billion. He sounds like a bullshit artist to me. Uh, and he was not the only one that thought this. There's a lot of people who thought this. Um, but it wasn't really widely talked about. What you saw from him in the press was he was a darling of the left. He was a darling of the World Economic Forum. He was praised by Forbes, Sequoia, New York Times. He was this ultra he was he was this uh philanthropist right we're constantly told what a philanthropist he was he actually was so popular that he was uh he actually got a hold of one of the largest youtubers uh I guess I'm not sure what the guy's name is I'm not familiar with him uh but he was uh, a guy from Dubai who flew out to the Bahamas to meet with FTX I want to play a little bit of this video as well and then we'll get into some of the backstory on this but uh, this is just, a, this is an interesting video for a lot of reasons. Ever since Sam was a kid, he wanted to get rich. Really, really rich. But not for the reasons you think. I wanted to get rich, no, I think not it's-
1: because I like money, but...
0: Be- <laughs> no, sorry, what? <laughs> no, I think it's for the reasons I think. I think it's for exactly the reasons you think. And some more depraved ones we'll get into later on. Yeah,
1: so... <laughs> Because I wanted to give that money to charity.
0: So after graduating from MIT, he went on a mission to get rich. One day, he noticed that the price of Bitcoin in the United States was different from the price of Bitcoin in Japan. And that was an opportunity. So,
1: you know, Bitcoin is trading at $10,000 on a U.S. exchange. All right. So this
0: this is the important part I want you guys to pay attention to is the amount of money he's talking about here. This is going to be important uh, as we go into the next part.
1: $11,000 on a Japanese exchange. You take $10 million, you, you buy 10000 you sell 11000 you make a $1 million, and we were able to do that every
0: weekday. So every weekday, you made a $1 million in profit just from doing that. That's right. All right. So he's he's claiming that he made a million dollars a day by spending... Wait, hold on. What did he say again? A million dollars? $10,000. Yeah. No, $10,000 per coin. He's saying he per was spending a million dollars on Bitcoin a day to get a million dollars. Isn't no, that what he's saying? No, 10, or 10, mi- million? 10
1: million to get one million.
0: He was saying I was spending 10 million a day to get one million. I can math. That's... Imp- okay, sorry. I didn't mean to screw that up. I'm just... <laughs> It's important coming up. So anyway, let's talk about who this guy is, who, who, who the key players are in this conspiracy and, and what's going on. So we have obviously SBF, this billionaire who doesn't know how to get a haircut or a personal trainer or dress decently at all. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. I'm not going to. He just he's it's, like a little boy.
1: It's a mind game. He can't possibly be an evil mastermind because right. he can barely brush his hair.
0: Right. I think so too. I think that, I think they want this guy and I'll, I'll tell you why I think that he's just a patsy for, for powerful people. But I think that this guy is totally just a plant who looks, uh, you know, unassuming and unthreatening and kind of quirky and weird, like you'd expect a tech billionaire to be and dresses like a slob. And supposedly he's telling you that he's, you know, he gives away so much money that he's just, he's actually living poor. He says he drives a Corolla, he doesn't have all this extra cash. He, he claims to just live in some dumpy apartment. Let's forget that it's a $40 million apartment or whatever you want to call it in the Bahamas. This is kind of the thing he puts out. He's he's part of this, uh, you know, altruist or what do you call it? Sorry, I always forget the name of this. Uh, effective altruism, this idea that we'll get into later on. But this is the, the the person that he's telling you he is. Yet somehow you have to believe that when he was 20... 324 he had 10 million dollars a day to invest in bitcoin
1: where did, yeah where would he get that
0: right so so sam bangman fried has uh you know is the son of two stanford law professors named barbara fried who in 2018 uh just before the launch of ftx had co-founded a secretive silicon group called mind the gap Mind the Gap raised more than $20 million in 2018 and 2019 from Silicon Valley. And because MTG or Mind the Gap worked as a bundler telling rich liberals where to donate and when rather than as a pass through political committee or a PAC, the Federal Election Commission campaign finance records don't show really the true extent of this. Uh, And they really don't know how much influence or money that they were funneling into the Democratic Party through Silicon Valley. Uh, There's different figures again. They say twenty million. Some I've seen some things that say eleven million, but this is not tracked because they're just going to people and telling them to donate. It's kind of a weird way. So, like that's where his mom comes from, and that's going to be important coming up. But his dad, Joseph Bankman, was a leading expert on state and federal tax shelters. He made a career of getting rid of cat. He made a career out of trying to get rid of the quote cash economy, and helping governments find tax evasion. Uh, some in the cryptocurrency space have speculated that he might have used his expertise to create the corporate structure of his son's offshore financial firms. So we're seeing right away, like just look at his two parents. His mom <laughs> likes to do shady donations to the Democratic Party in the tunes of millions of dollars of other people's money. And his dad is really good at tax evasion and also wants to get rid of the cashless economy.
1: I'm sure there's nothing to that. Uh, People aren't defined by their parents. He went to MIT and not Stanford. So your point is stupid. Yeah, and he's definitely
0: not defined by his aunt either, who is an epidemiologist at Columbia University with connections to the World Economic Forum. Of course she is. Uh, She's a member of the World Economic Forum's Global Agenda Council on Aging. And the the WEF touts her affiliation on their website, where they also... Until a few days ago touted their affiliation and partnership with FTX so much so that SBF spoke at uh, the World Economic Forum in Davos this year. And the World Economic Forum kind of wants to like it wants you to ignore that, that his aunt works for them, that he spoke for them and they partnered with FTX, which, again, we'll get into later. I'm just going to lay down the, the, the bases and then we'll get into the conspiracies on this. But it's not just his mom and his dad and his aunt. It's also his brother, who is a founder of the Guarding Against Pandemics uh, group, which is a 501c3 nonprofit formed in the middle of COVID 19, uh, of the COVID 19 epidemic, with a view of avoiding the next pandemic, which is something, again, SBF talks about a lot and has a lot to do with their political donations. Uh, And he gave $18.2 million to early COVID researchers. To cast doubt on ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine. So.
1: I don't know about you, (laughs) but whenever a, a major crisis happens, I like to spend millions of dollars casting doubt on possible solutions for the crisis.
0: Right. I mean, isn't that. Does that not intrigue anybody else that there's literally a group out there whose sole goal was to spend millions of, well, this guy's, maybe billions of dollars to specifically refute a preventative a, a a some a medicine that might help people to get better because remember during covid we were never allowed to talk about treatments we were only lo- allowed to talk about um vaccines we were not allowed to say hey you know it's either death it's, you, got, you got on one side you got death and on the other side you got vaccine and then somewhere in between like right towards the death end you've got we'll stick a tube down your throat but we can't talk about things that might make you get better over time or might help your immune system we can't talk about vitamin C or getting any sunlight or taking hydroxychloroquine Basically, or ivermectin nothing or, that's, yeah.
1: we can't talk about anything that's cheap or free
0: right but we can spend millions or billions of dollars in order to discredit scientists who are finding that effective in their patients doctors who are finding it effective in their patients. Um, so that's a little bit on SBF. But uh, as I said before, his on-again, off-again girlfriend was a CEO of his first company, Alameda Research. Um, and she's she's interesting. Well, you know what? Let's just play a little bit. You tell me if this looks like a billionaire running a hedge fund interview to you yeah absolutely could pull it off without my math degree (laughs) use very little math um
1: use a lot of like uh (laughs) elementary school math being comfortable with risk is very important Um, (laughs) we tend not to have things like stop losses i think those aren't necessarily great risk management tool trying to think of a good example of a trade where
0: i've lost
1: a ton of money
0: um Well, I don't know. I probably don't want to go into specifics too much with that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Okay. Uh, At least Sam is like a little bit likable in his weirdness. She is not. Yeah.
0: Yeah, not at all. Doctor
1: Bob's nightmare says she's a troll doll, which is a, a fantastic descriptor.
0: Also, I love how the chat is keeping uh, track of you going over to blow your nose. We got up to four now. We'll keep a tally for, on yeah, that. It's yeah, it's pretty embarrassing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I just had to make it known for the audio listeners because they're missing out on that.
1: So, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I keep turning off my camera and yeah, well, so you guys want to see me like that?
0: Yeah. So if you are an audio listener and you want to watch it, you're not going to like see it. You can just you know she just goes away. Uh, but anyway, so you think she's unlikable there in that clip where she says she really only does elementary math for these massive cryptocurrencies and things like blockchain and algorithms. I'm, and I'm
1: so glad you're putting finances. so much effort into it, lady.
0: Yeah, so much effort into it. And she's she doesn't believe in stop losses or, you know, stopping just risk big and lose big is their whole thing. Uh, she doesn't even apparently know what that is, but she's definitely the CEO of one of the biggest hedge funds in crypto uh, but she gets even less likable when you realize that people have found her blog and she's blogging about things like polyamory race science apparently she's a eugenicist uh, her uh, belief, of
1: course why not
0: right and her belief in the natural synergy between crypto and fraud why would you why would you blog about this what yes I'm not I'm joking. sorry what I'm not joking this is a quote the natural synergy between crypto and fraud maybe natural an early warning sign synergy Maybe an early warning sign that there is a strong link between giant crypto traders and fraud in her in her blog. Yeah, maybe it's a red flag. Red
1: flag.
0: Uh, she also bragged on Twitter about her regular use of amphetamines.
1: And <laughs> as one does.
0: As one does. And they and and her and SBF and all of the employees of these two companies live together because there's only like 10 of them. They live together as roommates. Uh, and according to a report by Coindesk. Ellison and Bankman Freed were part of a cabal of roommates who ran crypt- who ran the crypto empire and dated each other while living in a forty million dollar penthouse in the Bahamas, <coughs> uh, in the Bahamas exclusive Albany Resort. And then here's a quote: "All ten are or used to be paired up in romantic relationships with each other." CoinDesk reported. SBF has made himself out to be a minimalist, poor lifestyle guy, driving a Corolla, and not a sex drug fueled orgies in 40 million dollar mansions kind of guy so you you can you can watch his you know cutesy little boy interviews or you can maybe look at that and say maybe this guy isn't who he says he is you know what's even weirder is like when you dig into ellison's blogs she's constantly talking about the perfect boy she never talks about men i'm sorry and she, yeah, Excuse she talks me? about the power dynamics and sex and how she wants to be dominated by someone and how in a household of 10 people, basically the way you have sex is there's a hierarchy and that, you know, you've got like your your list of who you want to bang the most and people have to be more aggressive with each other. But she always talks about in a way of boys. She never uses the term men that she likes yeah. to sleep with. It's, uh, it's, it's a little weird, uh, uh, uh. I'll tell you why that's weird later. We'll get into it, but we've also got another guy that you, you have to know in this in this whole thing, and one that you'll not see pretty much anywhere in these stories, or you might see him in the stories, but you won't see his face anywhere. And this guy is Gary Wang, who was an FTX, who was the FTX billionaire co-founder, and he started again with with uh, SBF here buying. Um, uh, was it? I'm trying to remember which way it went. They buy Japanese. And then sell them in the American market. They buy Japanese crypto coins, sell them in the American market. They did that together. So apparently, these two guys who are working at Jane Street, not worth millions of dollars, were spending $10 million a day together on crypto coins. You know, it's, it's, it just reminds me of like, uh, there's a certain other billionaire recently who had an island and did creepy sex stuff and no uh, one knew where his money came from. It, yeah. Yeah. Um, no one knows where his initial capital came from. Like, there's nothing on that. How these two dudes who were just employees at some kind of trading firm all of a sudden were spending $10 million a day to make a million dollars, as he said. Uh, but it was estimated earlier this year that Gary Wang is worth nearly $6 billion. I've seen some things say he's worth about $9 billion, and he has almost no public presence at all. Uh, There's only two pictures I've been able to find of him on the internet, but his profile picture on almost everything... Let me see if I can find this. I'm sorry. I've got a lot of tabs here. Uh, His profile picture on almost everything is this. That was the... pro. It's the back of his head for people listening. It's just some generic looking Chinese dude at a computer from behind. Um, Yeah. So, and again, like there's one older source where I found a generic looking Chinese dude's face, but I'm not sure if that's the same guy so this is this is apparently gary wang and uh his linkedin page has been deleted over the last few days and when you talk to the very few employees that uh worked at alameda or ftx they said that they only personally knew a hand um or sorry only a a few people knew uh who he was or had ever met him they rarely saw or ever spoke to him and one quote said often you would hear sbf flex about uh I don't know where this quote comes in the middle of something, but it says uh, we only have a five engineers. That's what he was, he was uh, bragging about. He would brag about his Alameda operations, saying we only have five engineers. And then the quote goes on to say, in "Retrospect, it looks like the reason this was, was because those people had basically root access that they didn't want other people looking at." Uh, and and uh, root
1: access being code for backdoor,
0: right? And Wang is the one that supposedly handled all of that and created the backdoor. And yet no one knows about him. He's been unavailable for comment. And some people, even not conspiracy people, some mainstream people are speculating if this guy ever actually existed, literally even existed at all. Or if he's just a like, that's how much people don't know about him. That's how little his online presence is, is. It's zero. Like this guy was on LinkedIn with a picture of the back of his head and Three or four employees that lived in the Bahamas said they had met him but never spoke to him and that he just wanted to hang out in his apartment and work on code and that you could only reach him once a week through his email unless you were Caroline specifically for some reason. It, it sounds <laughs> sounds kind of made up like they're just like, oh, yeah, we have this other partner that somehow while we were working at Jane Street together had 10 million dollars a day to spend on making money off of Bitcoin futures.
1: Weird.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So this guy, this guy either doesn't exist or he is definitely a deep state asset. That's the point I'm trying to make. Like, I don't see, I can't for the life of me find any source where it's like, yeah, this guy came into money. His parents were rich. They started small and went big. Like, every source says they started big. They started at $10 million. Like, I haven't found any source that's like, here's how they built up to being able to make those $10 million trades, which would take a Mm -hmm. long time if you're spending five or $10,000 a day, which is generous for two broke uh, kids right out of MIT uh, because they're like they're in their 20s still paying off their college debts working as some hedge fund for probably not a lot of money
1: cactus says the literal guy yes the literal
0: guy in the chair yeah yeah so again and it's funny because like mainstream sources are literally asking right now if this guy ever existed Um, so that's a little bit about some of the people you need to know uh, was there anything else I needed to cover in these things? I mean, there's just some weirdness with them, but I want. I
1: hear he's good friends with Ray Epps. <laughs>
0: he's good friends with Ray Epps. <laughs> well, yeah, he might be because uh, they probably donated to the same political party. So we have uh, right here: SBF was the number two donor to the Democrat Party, only behind George Soros, for the 2022 midterms. And uh, from what I've seen, there doesn't seem to be any rhyme or reason to his spending. He spent somewhere around forty million dollars on the 2022 midterms, and some of the candidates that he spent a lot of money on had lost their primaries. So, which is weird because one of the guys got one third of the total spending. Uh a guy After
1: who, he lost his primary?
0: No, for the primaries, which he lost.
1: Oh. Uh, okay. A guy
0: named Flynn who apparently only got eleven thousand votes, which comes out to about nine hundred and forty-five dollars. Per vote from FTX uh, to lose a primary.
1: Holy crap.
0: Yeah. And then besides that, besides just dumping a third, what's a third of $40 million, over $10 million on a candidate that can't win a primary, uh, some of these people that they dump money into had no competition. They were in heavily blue districts where they won the vote by 70 or 80%, which is weird to dump money into those uh, candidates. And...
1: Okay. So he's dumping money into candidates he knows is going to lose that he knows has no chance
0: and then he knows that the is definitely gonna have win. no
1: chance of losing.
0: Right. Right. There's no rhyme or reason to his, his spending. And at one point he said, because he's, a, he wants to be part of this effective altruism thing. His idea of that was to at one point donate a billion dollars in an election cycle to the Democrats. He wanted to outdo George Soros by a lot. Uh, that was his idea of being an, an altruist is giving a bunch of money to politicians. Um, and then uh, more often more often he spent money on blowout races though apparently than than the ones that lost uh, and there's one thing that people were pointing out of why it doesn't make sense that he was some kind of Democrat operative because his partner uh, one, one of his, one of the other few partners of FTX Ryan Salami I don't know how you say his name um S-A-L-A-M-E, Salami. I don't know. He was uh, SBF's partner and co-CEO of FTX. Apparently, every one of these people consider themselves a co-CEO because there's like five of them. So there's a lot of co-CEOs, uh, but not a lot at the same time. Uh, so he spent $23.6 million to right-leaning candidates in the 2022 elections. Um, and when I read that, I was like, who, though? Like who's he giving this money to? Like is there is there some kind of uniparty thing going on here where he's giving people, money to people that might all support the same thing? Turns out that that's kind of the case. So he was giving money to uh, forward leaning Republicans was the quote, and he created his own pack right <laughs> right forward leaning Rep- Republicans who are not Republicans. Uh, he was giving money through his own pack called the American Dream Federal Action that had changed its name in April, which is important later on. And, he prior- and, and all of these candidates prioritized pandemic preparedness. Uh, the group had hopes to achieve this mission by leveraging America's technological edge and best scientific minds to forecast future national changes and craft public policy solutions to address those changes. So basically, you get a lot of money to people who wanted to lock you down and destroy the Forever. mom and pop businesses and support giant, huge corporations on both sides. Yeah. A lot of establishment Republicans, a lot of radical left-leaning Democrats. That's where this money went to. And it seems, it seems like there might be something that all of these people have in common between the right, the the right-leaning candidate establishments, uh, types and the left-wing radicals. Oh yeah. Which might be their support for Ukraine. Oh Uh,
1: my God.
0: Yeah, so we'll get into that in a second, but first, I just want to tell you guys, uh, take a a chance to tell you guys about North Arrow Coffee. So if you guys don't know, uh, we work with North Arrow Coffee Company, uh, and they are a wonderful coffee company that gives 15% of all their donations to pro-life causes. So if you guys go to NorthArrowCoffee.co and you use code PJ10 or ABBY10, you guys can get 10% off your orders over there. And they've got some... Really, I mean their coffee is fantastic. But they've got some uh, new flavors coming out really soon. I think they've got a holiday flavor. I don't have any specific knowledge of what that is, or I do, but I'm not going to tell you. But there's some good stuff coming out. There's some great stuff already there. I, I don't know. Have you? Do you have a favorite of the ones you've had so far?
1: I really like the pumpkin spice, but it is it is gone now. It is, I think is it's, gone now. Yeah,
0: gone. Yeah, the I pumpkin really like the spice French roast as
1: well. And I feel like full disclosure. We have told you in the past that we don't get paid for this, and just a couple weeks ago we were partnered as, um, so we now make a little commission. So full, you know, I want to be honest,
0: but it is really good coffee. And we were, we've been really promoting, uh, North arrow coffee for, for months now without even that. So, and I just love their stuff. I think my favorite so far is maybe the, the French roast. That one's yeah, my favorite. I agree. That one's good. really good. Uh, I think next I'm going to order the Columbia roast. So, but, uh, yeah, so guys go to North Dacio, uh, use PJ 10 or Abby 10. If you guys want to get 10% off, support a really good company with a really good cause. But uh, let's go back to this this Ukraine thing, because what a lot of people are alleging, and what I think is the case here is there's two main conspiracies. So we're gonna, this is where we're going to get into. Well, three. We're gonna get into the three main conspiracies that I want to bring up tonight. And the first one is the Ukraine money laundering uh, aspect of this. So according to reporting from Coindesk again, uh, the Ukrainian government partnered with FTX to help convert cryptocurrency donations into arms and war supplies. So this, again, I had to think about this because again, I'm not super into the crypto stuff. And I remembered there being a news story about how there was some crypto place out there that was giving a bunch of money or helping Ukraine to buy, to buy weapons and supplies through cryptocurrency. That was FTX. So according to some estimates between FTX and the national bank of Ukraine, they facilitated the flow of up to $100 million worth of Bitcoin and cryptocurrency for the war effort. And this also coincidentally lines up to his giving of money to politicians because after his partnership with Ukraine, that went up by a lot. So if you look at late 2021 and early 2022, SBF gave or had given up to that point around $11.7 million to political candidates, according to FEC records. And after March 15th, after they partnered with Ukraine and the Ukrainian National Bank, they had given about $22.4 million to politicians and political committees. At this point, and again, this is this is being updated right now, I think we're somewhere around $60 billion that the United States government has sent to Ukraine. And if you haven't seen Ukraine as an obvious money laundering scheme at this point uh, and a scheme to allow them to continue their Illegal weapons lab research, which they told us wasn't happening. They said it is happening, but it's maybe not that. Uh, this seems to be kind of tying that in together. I was waiting for Abby to get back because I want to get her opinion on this. I'm so sorry that Abby's not feeling good. Um, but uh yeah, so Real Truth cat says she loves her coffee. Just got some K cups in the mail. Let me know how you think of the K cups. I'm not really a K cup guy, but um I've heard that I've heard they do really good ones. Uh yeah, so that's that's kind of the thing is they that seems to be that as the more money that the United States government gives to Ukraine and then Ukraine transfers that money into crypto through FTX, the more money that goes into Democrat pockets. Um, so there you are, Abby. I want to get your opinion on this before I moved on. What are your thoughts on this? Do you think that the do you think that this explains some of the uh, money laundering aspect of the whole the whole deal? Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I didn't hear a lot of the last little bit. I'm sorry.
0: So I was saying that after after um, 2022, after March 15th, when they partnered with the Ukraine National Bank to use $100 million of cryptocurrency to buy weapons and, and supplies from mm-hmm. Ukraine, his donations to the uh, Democrat Party went up significantly. They mm-hmm. doubled. They doubled after that.
1: Have we talked about the timing? Of of when the company officially started and when it ended?
0: A little bit. Yeah, so it started... Well, What do you have on that? Because it started right after his mom created a political action committee, or his mom created a gap essentially to take a bunch of money from Wall Street billionaires and then give that to the Democratic Party and then ended directly after the midterms, like the next day.
1: Wasn't it like right at the start of Biden's campaign and then...
0: Oh, yeah, I guess you're right, like 29th. It would have been, yeah, at the start of Biden's campaign.
1: Yeah, really suspicious timing.
0: Yeah, he got like a ton of money in almost no time. And within like the first year of him becoming a billionaire, like right away, he gave $5 million to the big man for his campaign. And then it ended right after the midterms when he spent a lot of money in primaries specifically that would keep certain types of candidates who weren't for donating a bunch of money to Ukraine and locking the world down with pandemic stuff, uh, from getting into office on yeah. both on both sides of the aisle. Yeah.
1: And I think that this stuff happens way more <laughs> in the highest levels. This is not to, you know, the, the, the left likes to, to rag on billionaires and, you know, you're evil if you're rich and the government should take their money and give it to me. Um, and the right likes to pretend that being rich is this, um, well, rich people are all good.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've always... looked There's there's one really easy way to look at this, which I feel like is cons- a consistent worldview for people. And that is there's there's good rich people and there's bad rich people and there's good poor people and there's bad poor people. It's and that, the it's, bad it's rich really people have, a, yeah, like,
1: have a lot of power yes. to do bad things with. Yes. And it's not a product <clears> of being rich, but it, it is. it's just a fact that if you have that kind of money, you can buy your way into into corrupt political circles.
0: Right. And you can also buy a lot of protection from politicians because that's the Ukraine money laundering thing. And again, there's not a ton on there other than it looks suspicious. But what a lot of people are thinking that besides it possibly and most likely doing some money laundering for Ukraine, there might be another more easy to see plausible, less crazy, I guess, uh, conspiracy going on here. And that is that sbf was quietly lobbying to get the digital commodities Com- uh, consumer protection act through congress uh, which was a bill that would give C- the cftc power to kill defi but benefit ftx so that sounds like a lot of words so defi uh is the is basically um what, how, it's decentralized finance so defi coins are coins that are not or currencies that are not uh that are without government backing right So if you look into this uh, whole thing about uh, the effects of DeFi... So I've got Coindesk pulled up here, and it says, um, the DCCPA's detractors say it would effectively kill DeFi in the United States by making it impossible for large players like Uniswap to comply, which would entrench centralized exchanges. The argument is basically that the regulatory requirements outlined in the latest draft of the bill would amount to a de facto ban on DeFi. So this would basically kill off all of those other coins and and cryptocurrencies that are not in compliance with the government, but it would allow places like FTX to become in compliance, which again, they started totally out of compliance. That's why they moved to the Bahamas. It took them, year, it took them like a year or so before they even made FTX US to be compliant. And they still run FTX and Alameda out of Bahamas because they are totally not compliant with United States law and yet he's going behind back doors bribing politicians meeting with politicians going out there and basically openly campaigning on the Senate floor to shut down his competitors and make his the cryptocurrency that is totally nice and US compliant and yeah.
1: This is this happens in so many areas where a major corporation Walmart for example will advocate for things that you would think would hurt them. So it's like, look, I'm the good guy. I am advocating for this even at my own expense because I deeply believe in it and I'm so altruistic when really they're writing it in such a way that it hurts their competitors, it hurts small businesses, it hurts you know whoever, and it benefits mm. them secretly.
0: Right, well think about this. When Jeff Bezos goes out there and he's like, look, I'm able to pay my employees $18 an hour minimum wage or whatever it is, or $15 an hour minimum wage. This should be the law. And I'm an altruistic, wonderful guy for wanting to pay my employees more. The mom and pop shop down the street, they can't afford to do that. So it's going to really screw them, but I can afford to do it and I can stay in yeah. business. So that, that's exactly the same type of thing. So he was he was actively advocating for this. He's buying up politicians, obviously, to the tune of $70 million in the 2022 midterms alone between him and, him and his partner at FTX. Um, And many are saying that despite him being involved... That what's going on right now is the perfect reason why this should go through. So now this guy advocates for a bill, pays the politicians, he buys the politicians, he gets a bill put in front of the Congress, and then says, oh, look what happens when someone's not regulated. They can steal $32 billion of people's money and then just live in the Bahamas.
1: You and, mean to say he created a problem and wrote the solution?
0: Yeah. Yeah. With a bunch of money, he wrote a solution first. <laughs> he wrote a solution, then created a problem that his solution that he already wrote is going to solve, and he got to where he's at by a bunch of mysterious money that no one knows where it came from, and this- just so happens to be praised by the mainstream in every single way. And now even he's fallen from grace, and everybody hates him. You still got people like CoinDesk who are going out there going say, saying yeah, this is going to screw over DeFi and it's going to destroy a lot of cryptocurrencies and it's going to mean way more government control, which is kind of the point of wanting crypto is to stay outside of taxes and government spying and controlling people monitoring what I spend my money on. But we should do this because look what happens if you don't.
1: Okay, so all money used to be decentralized. And then like a hundred years ago, and we're going to talk about this more next week. Yeah. A group... Of really, really rich dudes who, like, included J.P. Morgan and Rockefeller, and you know all the last names that you this would think guy, Kennedy.
0: Sorry, by the way, there is a lot of people, including Jim Cramer, who said this guy's just like the next J.P. Morgan. Just throwing that out there. Go ahead.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wonder exactly. why? Wonder
0: why Jim Cramer said that?
1: These men um, met on Jekyll Island. This is this is not a conspiracy theory. This this happened. is just
0: actual fact, and there are a lot of people who praise this as a good thing, which is weird.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They owned 25% of the world's wealth at the time. They met on Jekyll Island. They wrote legislation that created the Fed. Yeah. And that solved a problem of centralization that they wanted to see solved that would help them at their level. And that solution that they created on Jekyll Island 100 years ago wasn't challenged until... <clears throat> cryptocurrency came along and as soon as cryptocurrency took off the powers that be have been uh, china's been cracking down on it various governments have been trying to Joe figure Biden out how we was regulate talking this, about how wanting regulate to regulate
0: this. this but yet he's a favorite of sbf and ftx
1: yep yep so this guy is very very convenient for him to pop up just a couple years ago after bitcoin was already taking off after the governments could already tell it was going to be a problem be pro-legislation and then create the problem that scares people into yeah. wanting the legislation, which is exactly what the Jekyll Island guys did.
0: Yeah, so David and says, so the Corporation USA was born. Exactly, yes. And we will be talking about this more next week. And again, all of this stuff that we're talking about tonight is breaking and I've got a million things I want to get to. and I've got a lot in my head, so I'm trying to organize it. So anything that we missed this week and anything that's breaking over the next week, I think will fit perfectly in with us talking in greater depth about Jekyll Island Next week, so don't forget to, to to come in for that. But I also think that it goes beyond United States regulation, what we're talking about. I think what we're talking about actually goes all the way up to a, an organization that we know SBF is connected with, that we know his mom or sorry, his aunt and his brother are connected with, and that he's partnered with, which is the World Economic Forum, who now on their website is saying that they have moved into what they're calling phase. Let me see if I can sorry, I've got so many things pulled up here. They are moving into phase two of their um digital currency governance consortium so if you look at this we've got the digital currency governance consortium and right down here it talks about phase one it says complete now it says complete very recently because in november uh no oh i guess this was last year so i'm sorry about that it says november of 2021 the digital currency governance consortium was published the white paper series so phase one is complete and if you go down into phase two What they're talking about is a central bank digital currency dialogue where the CBDC continues to draw the attention of various jurisdictions that are looking to implement these in their regions in order to maintain a pulse on these developments. Roundtables for public and private sector participation will track these conversations. So if that doesn't make a lot of sense, what I'm talking about, what they're talking about, and what they talked about at Davos earlier this year, was a one world digital currency. And we've seen the United States when when Joe Biden was talking about shutting down all the digital currencies about a year ago, all of a sudden the United States dollar has a digital coin. All of a sudden the World Economic Forum is trying to partner with FTX and create a digital one world currency. And this is not a new idea. It actually goes back to November 8th of 2000 when they first announced under the title One World, One Digital Currency was the name of the talk 22 years ago. and now They're not hiding got, the ball. They're not hiding the ball. That's the great thing about the WF. I mean, it's terrible. They're an awful organization. They plan literal world domination, not hyperbole, not a joke. Because um, they're literally telling you, they said at Davos this year, they want to create a one-world digital currency that they can track. And then, this was another uh, talk they had, that if you spend too much money on gas or you buy too many clothes or too much meat or too much milk, which they deem is harmful to the environment. By the way, SBF is a vegan who has a perfect ESG score. His of His course. company is $32 billion company, had a perfect ESG score. ESG meaning environmental, social, and governance, which is the world economics form of a social credit system, which does exist. Uh, maybe not on the personal level, but definitely absolutely exists on the uh, business level in America. Today, it's not just in China. It's in America. He has a perfect ESG score. And it's just I'm sorry. It's just like so obvious to me that this is them trying to create the legislation that they need, not just in America, but worldwide to create a one world digital currency. It's like right there.
1: How do you have a perfect social credit score and then steal billions of dollars?
0: How do you have a perfect social credit score with a Ponzi scheme in the Bahamas? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah, so anyway, the, there was mo- something more I wanted to say on this, but it's just like they just tell you. They just tell you out front what they want to do. They, they, they want to create a one-world digital currency. They want to track uh, you know, where you go and what you do and what you spend your money on. They, Klaus Schwab literally wrote the book, COVID-19, The Great Reset, where he talked about the World Economic Forum wanted to use COVID-19 as a way to reset the world into a one-world economy, And guess who was putting all of his millions of dollars, not in just Democratic politicians and World Economic Forum initiatives, but into people who were supportive of using COVID-19 to reset the world into a one world socialist economy? It was Sam Bankman fried This guy is the poster child for a guy who got his money from a, a government agent named Wang, who's some totally made up person, and then used that to create a billion dollar empire to funnel money through Ukraine, which is another part of their whole global scheme. Back to the party, which was going to continue, which was going to push through in this election cycle or after the midterms, his bill, which would centralize digital currency. And then you wouldn't have a decentralized bank anymore.
1: So U.S. tax dollars went through Ukraine and then back into Democrat pockets.
0: In order to allow them to centralize a currency and move. Yep. Towards again a one-world currency, which they've talked about for 22 years now. Actually, probably longer than that because the World Economic Forum's, or yeah, the the sorry, the Agenda 2030, which used to be called Agenda 22, was created in 1992. So they've been talking about this for a very, very long time.
1: Well, they tried it with the euro.
0: They did. That that went
1: around quite a bit, and I, I remember talking about that when I was really young because it was all over Europe, and it was in the country I grew up in. In Africa, it was the currency. And it was weird. We we thought we thought it was weird.
0: Yeah. Well, this is this is where the story actually gets even weirder. And then we're gonna we're gonna bring this up and then we're gonna go over to Rumble to continue this conversation. But this is where the story starts to really get weird. There's a guy named Nikolai Mushigian. And as I said, the SBF bill would be very unfavorable to DeFi. This guy was a cryptocurrency developer. He was an early developer of Maker DAO, <clears throat> which was known as the largest decentralized finance or DeFi protocol who is the key architect of the stablecoin system, which, again, are currencies without government backing. And then, uh, sorry, I've got so many things here, so forgive me if I take a minute to find my... my Every time
1: PJ does this, I just picture the... the... (laughs) This conspiracy GIF guy, which Cactus made a meme of this already no, on that's Twitter if you want to
0: see it. <laughs> Yeah, sorry. I literally, you, I got to see the meme. We'll, we'll post it on uh, on the YouTube communities and on the the, the stuff. Yeah. I see I see someone in chat, uh, Dr. Bob's Nightmare, asking about the gay frogs, talking about our locals. If you go to conspiracypill.locals.com, we actually have a behind the paywall episode on the gay frogs. If you guys want to support this podcast. Uh, for five dollars a month, you can get that. Also, from now to the end of November, it doesn't even cost that. You just use code Welcome, and you get a free month of Locals. So you can check that out for free and see if you like the bonus content we have over there. Uh, <clears throat> before you support us, I'm so sorry that I've gotten. I think we put gay
1: frogs on YouTube too to give people we put, a taste. We put we put the, the beginning of it, but the we'll full
0: like. the full episode is on our Locals. Yeah. Fair. So yes. Um, so here's the tweet from from Nikolai Mashigian. Uh, On October 28th, he said, CIA and Mossad and pedo Elite are running some kind of sex trafficking entrapment blackmail ring out of Puerto Rico and Caribbean islands. They are going to frame me with a laptop planted by my ex-girlfriend, who was a spy. They will torture me to death. And he tweeted this out. And, you know, he's just a paranoid crypto millionaire who happened to... Drowned in Puerto Rico four hours after tweeting about this. I'm sure it's unrelated. Totally unrelated. He was discovered by a surfer in the water at Ashford Beach on October 29th. It says October 29th on this article, but some of them say it was four hours after he tweeted this. So within a day and he was fully clothed and carrying his... Oh man, no, he must have died on the 28th, found on the 29th. And he was found fully clothed carrying his wallet. Uh, One of Nikolai's friends also told the Post that his paranoia was partly informed. They said some of his paranoia was based on fact. He'd discover things. He knew things. Nikolai got bored a lot with the mundane of life. He'd go after things, constantly putting himself in weird positions. It wasn't for the money. He was interested in why things were the way they were and, and the corruption behind them. The police in Puerto Rico are still investigating this as a murder, by the way. His family, his family are saying it was definitely a suicide and he was crazy. But the Puerto Rican police and his friends are saying, "No way, no way did this guy tweet this out and then died four hours later when we know he knew things." So, so again, he's saying that in Puerto Rico and the and the and the islands, the Bahamas, right? That there's a sex pedo ring run by a billionaire. It sounds like Jeffrey Epstein 2.0. A billionaire gets a lot of his money from unknown sources, lives on an island somewhere with some weird on again off again girlfriend who's into younger boys and weird uh-huh, kinky uh-huh. polycule sex stuff. I'm just saying it sounds weird. And then and then if that doesn't get weird enough and I'll show you the you guys these images and then we're going to move over to to Rumble to to, to hear you guys thoughts on this. Uh let me drop that in the chat for you guys really quick. So if you guys are on YouTube or on any of the other sites that we're on, I'll drop it in the chat you can follow us over at Rumble. Uh, so we don't get taken down for having these kinds of conversations.
1: So wait, are you are you telling us right now that there was a, an entire pedo ring operating out of Epstein's island, and and two people went down for it, and it didn't disappear and end forever?
0: Oh, that d- definitely did. That's why there was a black book that's never been released, and all these uh-huh, people who uh-huh. are just getting their rocks uh-huh. off in this island—they just decided, you know what, that's not our scene anymore.
1: Yeah, just you know, just. It, Just shut it down forever. They got us. Oh, no. And there
0: was only ever one, obviously. Like, there wouldn't be multiple of these things, and it wouldn't continue. And these these rich billionaires and politicians and news people and celebrities and Hollywood elites, they would just move on with their life and not do this again. But you know what's weird about this is we've got – this is SBF here. This is his Uh shirt in his profile Uh picture. That's still his profile picture. And he's been seen wearing the shirt other times because this is the shirt for the effective altruism thing that he believes in. And it's right next to a symbol Uh of people who like little girls. And it looks oddly similar. And if that wasn't enough, this is his girlfriend who constantly is talking about her dream boy and her company, Alameda Research, with the symbol, the FBI recognized symbol for little boy lovers that looks awfully a lot like Alameda Research's Logo. Oh,
1: Fascinating. Yeah, I'm sure it's nothing. I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure, there's sure it's nothing
0: to it. I'm sure it's total coincidence, just like everything else in the story. That was a coincidence until a week ago. Uh, just like everything with the Epstein story that was a coincidence and you were crazy for believing in it. And Alex Jones was made fun of for for talking about it. I remember when those videos were out that were like, can you believe Alex Jones said that this guy, Jeffrey Epstein, has a pedophile island and they totally scrubbed those from the Internet when it turned out to be true. Yeah. So uh,
1: speaking of Epstein's pedophile island, did we want to bring up the SpongeBob thing?
0: Do we want to do that now, or do we want to do it all over a Rumble? Well, let's it's let's, let's end with that. Yeah, let, I want to hear the SpongeBob thing.
1: Okay, so this is another one of those Google weird things. And correct me if I'm if I'm wrong on this, but SpongeBob uh, has an address, and if you if you look up, I'm leaking again.
0: <laughs> I'm so you sorry. You take this one, PJ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me just switch the camera over here. I apologize. I'm so sorry that you're still sick, Abby. Uh, SpongeBob's address. Let me look this up really quick. So the first thing that happened. So we've talked about this on the last few episodes, how there's things that we used to look into, like like the Epstein Island stuff, like the Gay Frog stuff, like the Moon Landing stuff, where you used to be able to find you know uh, um, documentaries and websites and articles and conspiracy theory blogs about this type of stuff because you were interested in it. And it was fine now when you search things that are conspiracy related you pretty much can't find them a lot of times that's why this spf stuff's been interesting because it's so current that they're not able to delete things fast enough so when you look up uh the the spongebob's address you get fact check SpongeBob's address is not jeffrey epstein's is spongebob's home address on epstein Pedo island snopes fact check uh yeah so you just get a bunch of articles just i'm curious what spongebob's address is in the cartoons and instead, you get stuck with fact checks about how SpongeBob is definitely not related to Epstein Island for some reason. So weird, weird stuff. What was that it, other one? CERN. We were talking about CERN. This kept happening with everything. You yeah. looked at at CERN. It was like you looked up like the Apollinaryus, and people, and there would be like a fact check. CERN is definitely not built on a temple to Satan. It's like I didn't even ask that. I was looking at like some old Greek mythology. But, yeah. Okay. Thank you.
1: Like, th- thanks. I mean, and we all know that like spongebob lives at bikini bottom like and that that's not not
0: little saint james yeah. <laughs> or does he i don't know i mean when <laughs> snope says it's wrong i start to believe it's right like that's kind of my like you know
1: i mean why why do they have to fact check it why can't they just show you spongebob's address and say look it's not the same as jeffrey epstein's address which is this other different address
0: yeah it's really weird it's, not hard. It's really weird. Just Spongebob's address. I didn't type in Epstein Island. I didn't type in conspiracy. I literally just typed in two words. Spongebob's address. Fact check from Reuters. Fact check from Snopes. Fact check from PolitiFact. Fact check from Paramount. Crazy stuff. But I do... Okay. I have one more thing I want to say. And again, thank you guys so much for coming out and checking this out. And I hope we see you guys over on um, Rumble here in a second. But I want to point out one thing uh, that we really appreciate you guys sharing this podcast. It's been growing at a great uh, an awesome rate, more than we expect. And we appreciate you guys for, for coming here and giving us your time and hanging out with us and supporting us. And one of those people that did that was Trevor Denning, also known as Bookstore Thor on Twitter. And he wrote a really great review of our podcast over on his local's channel. I just want to share it with you guys because it means a lot to us. So one of the things you could do if you're a listener of this podcast is just take a minute, give us a five-star review on whatever podcast app you're listening to, because that helps us get uh, out there in the algorithm for more people to find the show. Um, but I'm just gonna read this really quick, and then we'll we'll meet you guys on a Rumble. We'll talk about the the weird Epstein connection because I've got a whole Twitter thread on this. Uh, and this is this is that review. So it says, we all want to know what we don't know. Distrust of the media and the system is at an all time high, and unfortunately, many are finding that conspiracy theories are just sneak previews. With unlimited information and limited time, it's important that we uh, invest it wisely. And going down too many conspiracy rabbit holes can be bad for your mental health. Trust me. Trust me. (laughs) Uh, If if I was going to recommend one podcast to give a broad overview of all the crazy stuff out there, I'd say Conspiracy Pill with PJ Williams and Abby Libby, available wherever you get podcasts. Every week, they shine a mostly hinged light on something crazy. MK Ultra, check. Pizzagate, check. Turning the Frogs Gay, check, check, check. Is the moon landing a hoax? Check. Also, probably not. Uh, what I appreciate is that while sometimes the topics require them to go to some dark places, the show itself doesn't dwell in the darkness. Every show with a Christian worldview, like The Confessionals or Blurry Creatures, have an aura... Best reserved for late nights and stormy days. Conspiracy Pilled isn't doom and gloom and won't make you want to hide under your bed or check for monsters before crawling into it. Unless you're cactus, it might make you want to do that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the format is pretty straightforward. Every week, Abby reports on a new conspiracy and PJ gives a running commentary. The only thing I will correct is that we flip back and forth. Switch it? Yep. yep. Uh, they both come in having pl- done plenty of research and you're not apt to hear anything too nutty. Uh, example, another show I recently discovered says planets aren't real. <laughs> I've heard that. Uh, since the episodes aren't rec- are are recorded live, there's also an element of audience participation in the various group chats. Full disclosure, I met PJ at BaseCon, and since we're from the same area, it's surprising we hadn't met sooner. Sometime, something else I would like I like is that PJ and Abby aren't in the inner circle of other like-minded podcasters. All the other hosts I listen to have each other on all the time and share guests. Conspiracy Pill is a fresh perspective with different voices. The rabbit holes aren't needed. Uh, the rabbit hole needn't be a circle. So if you're looking to know more than you did, but in a way that won't make you feel icky with hosts that will make you laugh, give it a listen. Thank you so much, Bookstore Thor. That's I appreciate it. Really you. sweet. That was a very thorough, well done, sweet podcast review. Uh really appreciate it. So with that, again, thank you guys so much. The link is there in the chat. If you're listening to this later, come over to Rumble or uh, come over to Rumble. And if you want to get the audio, the full audio only version. That has the Rumble stuff included. That is on our Locals. .locals Conspiracypill.locals.com. Use code WELCOME. Get your first month for free. We'll see you guys on Locals.